Welcome to the Impact Alumni Podcast. My name is Paul Clifford and I'm your host. The Impact Alumni Podcast is a monthly podcast that I produce for alumni practitioners worldwide to hear about topics that affect them and their day-to-day business practices. And today we bring you a, a special report. This is an additional podcast. I'm pleased to have with me Brian Flavin uh, from the Council for Advancement and Supportive Education. Brian is the Director of Government Relations and Institutionally Related Foundations for CASE, uh, and as many of you know, CASE is a professional association for advancement professionals, uh, alumni relations, communications development officers, and has a membership of now over 3,400 colleges, universities, and independent schools. Brian, welcome to the Impact Alumni Podcast. Thanks, Paul. It's great to be here. Well, Brian, you are... Um, you are on the forefront of a topic that is really affecting um, a lot of higher education alumni associations right now, and that's the recent credit card legislation. Uh, why don't let, let's start right at the very beginning and talk about um, the history that led up to the recent uh, credit card legislation that was passed that has an impact on the affinity credit card contracts that we have. Sure, um, I'd be happy to go through that. Um, basically. Uh, to look at what, why Congress went and uh, enacted these new disclosure requirements for uh, alumni association affinity credit cards, you have to look back. Well, you have to think about a couple of things to, to set the context. One is just um, remembering that uh, when it comes to higher education on Capitol Hill um, as an issue, uh, the main issue that all lawmakers are thinking about right now and most of their constituents are thinking about now, right now is college costs. So basically, um, and obviously we've seen that the, that tuition has uh, has continues to rise uh, for many right. students and families, creating um, a lot of, of hardship for, for families and a lot of questions about uh, can we afford college, where can we go. Um, so you have college costs really kind of framing this entire debate and continuing to be a concern that constituents um, convey to their lawmakers. So lawmakers... Whenever you're talking about colleges and universities and any issues affecting them, they're really thinking about college costs. The other thing that you need to, to think about is, or remember, is the other issue that they're hearing a lot about when it comes to colleges and universities is student debt and just really the, how student debt has increased, how students continue to be under the, the burden of, 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 of debt and a lot of credit card debt. Um, so when they're thinking about, you know, what, why are students uh, facing this debt, one of the reasons is a lot of folk, a lot of students are um, using their credit cards and using that that ability to um, to uh, to use debt to help pay for their for their tuition. So so student debt, the rising uh, cost of tuition, all kind of frame this debate. Um, if you remember, um, before uh, college uh, and university credit cards and affinity credit card agreements became kind of the focal point of Congress. There was a lot of focus on student loans and the student lending industry. And and really what what, what came to light was, and and what what lawmakers were concerned about, was the relationship between colleges and businesses. Um, Whether colleges were profiting profiting off the back of their students uh, and whether there were particular conflicts of interest. And in the student loan world, there was a a couple of years ago, um, there was some high-profile instances reported in the media of, of Places where colleges, where uh, where there were institutions that um, that were putting particular uh, lenders on their what, what they called their preferred lender list um, because of the relationship between somebody at the institution and the lender, 
So there was a lot of focus on, on the student loan industry that led to some new legislation on student loans, and it didn't take long for lawmakers um, and also state regulators to start looking at the relationship between colleges and universities and credit card companies and banks. Um, and again, the, the reason that this was, uh, was a big focus um, was, the, again, the cost of the, the, the rising tuition, the cost of college, and also the student debt. So, uh, so really, lawmakers started asking questions about, well, wait, are, if colleges and universities and their alumni associations are offering um, college students um, credit cards, are these credit cards necessarily the best deal for the students? Do students know about, um, you know, know what the potential negative effects of having a credit card could be? Um, and also, are colleges, uh, universities, and their alumni associations, um, you know, profiting profiting unfairly off the backs of their of, the, of students? So that became a, a, a real focus of uh, both state regulators, particularly uh, New York Attorney General uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo, but also uh, lawmakers on Capitol Hill, and kind of led to. Um, this uh, this focus on um, disclosure requirements for these agreements and led to uh, and when the Credit Card Act, um, uh, also known as uh, the Credit Card Accountability Responsibility and Disclosure Act 2009, was making its way on Capitol Hill, um, these concerns kind of led lawmakers in both the House and ultimately in the Senate, where the bill was amended to include disclosure requirements for college and university um, card agreements and also alumni association affinity agreements. So, Brian, it's fair to say, then, that if students weren't part of the credit card contracts that with alumni associations have with our partners, um, this probably wouldn't have been on, on the radar screen of Congress? Probably not. Um, the total focus, and I, I want to emphasize this, though I, I will say that the disclosure requirements um, still affect everybody, and I'll explain why in a bit, but the total focus and the real focus has been marketing to students. Um, and I should mention that beyond these disclosure requirements on credit card agreements, there also were some some new rules around, um, you know, setting up tables at colleges and universities to try to um, attract students to sign up for credit cards and, and, and giveaways and those types of things. So the real focus of, of all of the scrutiny has been on marketing to students, and there has not really been any questioning of an alumni association or a college or university's rights or ability to market to their, their graduates and alumni. Great. Well, you know, that, that really, um, that, that gives some really good background on um, why Congress was looking into this. And so now Congress went ahead in 2009 and, and President Obama signed, um, signed the act into law. So tell us what that means to uh, colleges and universities now, and in particular alumni associations that have these credit card agreements. I know there's certain distinctions based on whether you're an independent alumni association or whether you're um, under the umbrella of the university. Go ahead and maybe clarify some of those nuances of the law. Sure. Uh, it's interestingly, um, the way the way that the, the, the law was amended, as I said, it was amended by the Senate um, as the bill was going through um, through Congress and being being um, considered in both the, both the House and the Senate. Uh, and I should mention, this is only a small piece of a very, very large credit card reform bill. So uh, this was something that was amended. There was not a whole lot of debate and discussion on it. Um, but it really does, the, the way that these disclosure requirements works and, and how it affects your alumni, associa alumni association really depend on how your alumni association is organized. 
Now, if the if the agreement um, that you have with the credit card company is between um, the college or university, so basically your alumni association or you, you have an alumni relations department that's not separate from the college or university, it's actually housed within the university or within the institution, then um, the law is very clear that you have to disclose your um, credit card agreement fully to the public. Um, and that means that uh, and, and the, the regulations that the Federal Reserve Bank issued, and I should say the Federal Reserve uh, Bank is, or the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, I should say, is the um, chief regulator of and, and uh, uh, enforcer of these rules. Um, the, the, the proposal that the, the proposed regulations that they released said that you can you can comply with that by publicly um, posting the, the agreement on your on your website or by um, by making it available upon public request, um, and also didn't uh, rule out any other sorts of what they what they uh, consider reasonable um, uh, public uh, ways that you can publicly disclose these agreements. So if your alumni again, so if your alumni association or your or alumni relations function is within the institution, basically meaning that the college or university itself was on the credit card agreement, signed the agreement with the, the bank or the or the or the credit card issuer, then you must publicly disclose that agreement. Um, and there are a variety of ways that you can do that. I will say that I, I've gotten a couple of questions around. Uh, well, we 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 have to publicly disclose the agreement, but if there's a, a part of it that's confidential, can we just keep that out of what we publicly disclose? And the regulations make it very clear that um, regardless of whether if there's a confidentiality clause, if the college and university is on the contract with the credit card issuer or the bank, all of it must be disclosed. So basically, and is that regardless of whether it's a a public or private institution? That is correct. Um, okay. It's with any. But they define it as any institution of higher education, so that can be a public or a private institution. Um, and uh, in, in many cases, you know, if it was if it was with a public institution before, it might have already been subject to open records laws. Right, uh, right. But for private, that also means it applies to private institutions as well. Okay, and so what what is the nuance if it's a separately held 501c3 corporation? Sure. Um, they, the law defined out affiliated organizations um, and, uh, and really um, emphasized as part of affiliated, affiliated organizations, emphasized alumni associations and institutionally related foundations or the affiliated foundations for uh, public colleges and universities. Um, but for alumni associations, for these affiliated organizations, the disclosure requirements are a little bit different. There is nothing in the law that says that the alumni association, the foundation, or any affiliated organization that has an agreement, a uh, separate agreement with the credit card issuer or the bank, has to disclose the credit card agreement publicly. So if somebody from the public comes to the alumni association and it's a separate 501c3, um, separate, separately incorporated from the institution, and says, I, I want to, I request the agreement, the alumni association by law, doesn't have to um, issue, doesn't have to provide that agreement. However, um, what the the interesting thing is um, that the credit card company, the law does direct the credit card company itself, or the credit card issuer, the bank, whoever is issuing the credit card, to actually disclose in an annual report to the Federal Reserve Board of Governors um, the credit card agreement, basically to the Federal Reserve Board of Governors. So even though you don't have to publicly disclose your credit card agreement, 
the terms of the agreement, pretty much the entire agreement, is being disclosed by your credit card company to the Federal Reserve Board of Governors so that they can compile an, an annual report that they'll give to Congress every year. Um, so the real distinction um, is, and I'll just summarize it again really quickly, if your alumni association is not separate from the institution, and so basically the college or university has, has entered into the agreement, the credit card agreement, directly with the credit card issuer or bank, then you must publicly disclose the agreement. So that means posting on the website or having a process available where the public can um, can access the full agreement. If the alumni association is separate, a separate 501c3 or separately incorporated from the college or university, and the alumni association has basically signed the agreement with the credit card issuer or the bank, then you're not required to publicly disclose it, disclose the agreement. However, the agreement has been and must be disclosed by your credit card company or the bank to the Federal Reserve Board of Governors. And when it goes to the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, um, it is essentially considered a public document. Well, excellent. As you may, this is an important conversation to be having, I think, because when, when you see, as you mentioned, it is a it is a fairly robust law that was passed, of which it's a small portion deals with alumni associations, and yet it's an important portion that we have to be um, cognizant of. But there are people out there who are who are preying on those who may not have paid as much attention to this as as others have, and, and what, I'm, what I'm trying to get to is that I know a number of my colleagues around the country have been getting phone calls from competitors, so other banks who are competitors in the affinity credit card, um, in the affinity credit card market, um, requesting the contracts that they are currently holding, um, citing this law, even though they are calling a separately incorporated alumni association. And so I think it's important for alumni associations um, and alumni professionals to, one, know this law and know, you know, how they're organized and how they are required by law to, to disclose it or else they could be taken advantage of. Absolutely. And I think that that's, um, again, you know, there's no, there's nothing in the law that says a separate uh, affiliated organization like an alumni association or a foundation has to publicly disclose those agreements. Um, so, and I've also know that there are um, there have been other efforts to um, either by lawmakers or media to um, ask for um, ask for these agreements, but ask for information beyond what the law requires. So that's something that the alumni association, um, you know, should recognize what's in the law um, and also you know what they have to disclose, what they don't have to disclose, but also then make that decision on what they want to disclose when they're asked by either lawmakers or uh, media, et cetera. Great. Let's back up a little bit to something you mentioned a little bit earlier when you were talking about um, where this legislation came from. And you used the word preferred lender um, as it related to the uh, student loan consolidation or, or the student loan industry. Uh, what, what in your mind is the difference between the preferred lender issue and this affinity credit card issue? Well, I think, number one, there's not really anything um, in, in terms of this affinity credit card issue. Well, the preferred lender uh, issue, uh, one of the big focuses was on, um, uh, obviously, on students. Uh, the, the, when, you, when you talk about preferred lenders, there are these, these lists that are provided by, um, by institutions, and the focus is on providing the, that list to um, entering students um, to, uh, to uh, colleges and universities. 
Um, and the, the preferred is, gives it, uh, again, is, gives it a sense of that it's something that the, the college or university has reviewed, um, has, um, and, 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 and obviously is put on this list. When it comes to affinity credit cards, um, the concern, there, there's not a, uh, most, uh, uh, college and universities and alumni associations, in fact, all of them that I know of, um, don't refer to these, uh, affinity credit cards as preferred cards. Um, there's no real value judgment that the ins- that the institution or the alumni association is placing on the card, besides the fact that obviously the the the, uh, associ- the alumni association or the or the more the college or university has granted the bank or the card issuer the right to market the card with the institution's name and or the association's name and logo um, to individuals who have a close relationship or affinity with the institution itself. So there's not a preferred, you know, what it's 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 very clear that alumni associations and colleges and universities are not saying that they prefer these cards or there's some sort of benefit, extra benefit, um, um, in terms of terms versus other cards. That's something still that individuals, whether they're alumni, students, et cetera, have to make that decision on their own. When it comes to uh, affinity credit cards, uh, you're dealing mostly with. Uh, again, uh, while there was there was some marketing to students, you're dealing mostly with marketing to graduates and alumni, and, and these graduates and alumni understand that, uh, and, and alumni associations make, make work hard to make it clear that there is a relationship between the card and the institution or association, so that they get the card one either to express you know their pride and connection with the institution, but also to help because they understand that there's financial support coming from using that card or between by coming from the agreement between the, the association and the credit card uh, company that there's some sort of um, some support that's going back to help their association or their institution. So what I think has gotten uh, some what, – what lawmakers were concerned about was that colleges that, – that students were viewing, the, you know, getting marketed – or obviously receive a lot of marketing from credit card companies about a variety of cards, that they were looking at these affinity credit card programs, seeing the, the institution's name and logo on them or the association's name and logo on them, and thinking, oh, this must be what the college or university wants me to get, so it must have the best terms. It must have been um, reviewed by um, the association, so that, right. that must mean that it's the best deal for me. Um, but obviously... Um, that's not what uh, affinity credit card programs are about. Um, there, again, um, there's you know the, the college, university, and the association are allowing the, the credit card company to market with the with the logo in exchange for um, either you know support uh, directly from the issuer or um, support every time a, a, whoever has the card um, uses it uh, in some way. Um, that there's not a preferred label put on it. Um, and I think that's an important distinction between what, what's happened with affinity credit card companies and affinity credit card, I should, I should say, affinity credit card agreements and what happened in the preferred lender issue. Absolutely. So, Brian, I, I appreciate you joining us today. If people are listening to this and they want to read more about it or um, find more resources, where can they go to work? Sure. Um, a couple of things. Uh, I would say, obviously, they can go to uh, www.case.org, um, which is the, the case website. And if they click on public policy, um, they'll go to our uh, the uh, public policy page on the case website. And there's a link that goes directly to information on Alumni Association Affinity credit card programs and affinity programs in general. 
Um, there we have actual uh, the actual link to the section of the law that affects alumni associations and, and colleges and universities, and also the a link to the Fed's proposed regulations. And I encourage, if if you haven't already, I encourage alumni associations and also institutions to review the law and regulations with their legal counsel to ensure that they're in compliance. The, the law was effective on February 22nd, so your credit card, if you're a separate alumni association, your credit card company has already shared its terms of the agreement. It basically shared your agreement with the, the bank. It was, they were supposed to by that date. Um, but, uh, and also, obviously, if, you're, uh, if your association is within the college or university or you're not separate from the college or university, then your institution is now... Uh, must publicly disclose that. So I think it's really important to go through it with your with your legal counsel. And it's also probably not a bad idea to kind of review all of your all of the alumni associations affinity programs to make sure they're operating in a manner consistent with professional standards, institutional policies, and the mission of the association. This is just a good opportunity to review that. And finally, I'll just point folks uh, what one of the links that you'll see when you go to the uh, the page that I pointed to on the case website is the case guidelines for alumni relations professionals on establishing vendor relationships. I think those are a really good uh, source and tool that you can use and, and when you're thinking about these contracts and vendor relationships, um, what are the things that you need to think about to make sure you're acting in a, in, in, uh, with, within best practice in the field. So I think those are some resources that I, that I hope people will be helpful. And, of course, they can always contact Case and contact me um, if, if you have uh, specific questions. Excellent. Brian, I appreciate you joining us on the Impact Alumni Podcast. We uh, appreciate your expertise and hope to have you back on the show to talk about some of the other public policy issues that might be affecting alumni associations and the advancement world. Great. Thanks, Paul. It's been great to be with you. Great. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Impact Alumni Podcast. I'm Paul Clifford. You can download more episodes of the Impact Alumni Podcast by visiting our website at alumnipodcast.com. You can connect with us on Twitter at at Impact Alumni or find us on Facebook, uh, the Impact Alumni Podcast group on Facebook, and uh, send us a message and let us know what you think of the show. Again, this has been a special report with Brian Flavin from the Council for the Advancement of Education. I'm Paul Clifford. Take care.